Welcome to Finances and Gifting Away Inheritance with Kathy Pfefferhahn. Finances and, in conjunction with my company, Capital Coaching, helps people achieve their financial goals through personal, tailored, and attentive financial coaching services. Together, we'll create a successful financial plan by examining your spending and saving habits, then guiding and educating you to your own personal success. But if you're more of a do-it-yourselfer, you can order my book, Finances and Your Spending Planner Workbook. It includes budgeting pages for each month, expense trackers, investment and asset tracking, debt management, and setting your financial goals, and more. To get your own copy, you can click in the show notes below. I go over the book in episode 136, Your Spending Planner Workbook. You can also catch these episodes on YouTube at Finances and with Kathy Pfefferhahn. The link is also in the show notes. Check it out. So I'm asking, which would you consider? Gifting your money away before your passing or waiting until you go? The decision to gift inheritance before your death or retain it after depends on various factors, including individual preferences and family dynamics. Gifting during your lifetime can foster a sense of financial responsibility among your heirs and allow for a more active guidance and asset management from you. It may also have potential tax benefits while granting you the satisfaction of witnessing the positive impact of your legacy. However, keeping the inheritance until after your death can serve as a financial safety net for unforeseen emergencies, maintain a structured distribution process, and minimize conflicts among your beneficiaries. The choice between these options ultimately hinges on one's unique circumstances and goals, striking a balance between financial security and familial considerations and consultation with the financial and legal professionals. As you start to consider your passing and what you'll do with your money, ask yourself, do I want to share the wealth now or after I'm gone? The money you give may be taxed with either estate or inheritance taxes, but most people don't pay these because the deceased or decedent, that's what the person who's died is called, has to have a net worth of at least $12.92 million. The good news is that most states don't charge these taxes any longer, but these estate taxes are incurred in states where the decedent lived at the time of their death, and the following states have estate taxes. Washington, Oregon, Minnesota, Illinois, Vermont, Maine, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and D.C., while Maryland charges both estate and inheritance taxes. The inheritance tax is charged based on where the recipient lives after receiving the inheritance. The states with just an inheritance tax are Pennsylvania, Kentucky, Iowa, Nebraska, and New Jersey. I won't go into all the details here because most of us are not going to have to worry about it with the $12.92 million cap, but if you do, please get financial investment advice from a fiduciary advisor. So what is an estate tax? It's based on the current fair market value of the decedent's assets. This is not to be confused with the value of the property when it was purchased. These could include bank accounts, investments, retirement plans, artwork, jewelry, businesses, household items, vehicles, and any debt that's owed to the decedent. These estate taxes do not apply to the surviving spouse as there's an unlimited marital deduction allowed. You can give them any amount you desire without being taxed. If someone inherits money or assets that they don't want, they're welcome to decline it through a waiver, because you're not required to take the money. In that case, another heir would be named as the beneficiary or recipient of the estate. Gift taxes are interesting. 
The IRS says that a gift tax is a tax on the transfer of property from one individual to another while receiving nothing in return. In 2023, the amount that you can give away tax-free is $17,000 per person. You can do this for as many people as you'd like, so long as no one person receives more than $17,000. This can be given to them directly, or it can be put into a trust that you set up for them. Additionally, your spouse can also give up to $17,000 in gift, including to the same people that you gifted money to, for a total of $34,000 for each of them each year. A gift tax does not have to be money gifted to them. It could be property or even the use of that property. If you make an interest-free loan or a reduced dollar amount loan to someone, that would also be considered a gift. And finally, if you sell something at less than full market value to another person, then the person that you're selling it to is receiving a gift. If you allow your rental home to be used, if you allow your rental home to be used at no charge, or sell someone your $30,000 car for only $20,000, or buy them a car outright. These all count as gifts that you have given. These gifts are not limited to your kids or even your family. It could be anyone that you gift an item or money to. These kinds of gifts are not tax-deductible like gifts you might give to charity. That would have to be given to a 501c3 status charitable organization. If you're giving more than the $17,000 or $34,000 if married, then you're going to owe taxes on any amount gifted over that amount. And no matter the amount received, the recipient will owe no taxes on the gift that you've given them. The good news here is that a grandparent or grandparents could gift up to $17,000 or $34,000 for both of them into a 529 plan for their grandchild and not pay taxes on the income for that year. If you gift over that amount, then the giver will have to pay a tax on the amount over the allowable $17,000 to $34,000. But let's say that you can and want to pay for a grandchild more than the allowable limit. The IRS will consider what the money was used for as part of the factors to determine if you'll owe taxes on that gift. If you're paying for vacations, cars, weddings, as examples, it's harder for the IRS to allow this overage to be waived. However, if you're paying education costs or medical bills, they might consider that allowable. If you're paying for tuition or health care, it's actually better to pay any amount over $17,000 directly to the institution on that recipient's behalf. It's interesting. If you're added to someone else's bank account, that is also considered a gift. The reason is that you now have access to that money so that if you are going to be helping with a parent with their bills and they have assets over that limit, it's probably better to get a power of attorney to access their account to help them and not be a joint owner. The gifts I'm talking about that are given do have a lifetime gap. So if you give more than the $12.92 million in your lifetime, you're going to owe taxes on the overage amount as the person giving the gift. The taxes here can be anywhere between 18 to 43% each year, depending on how much you've gone over. But why would someone want to give money away if they're still alive? For starters, it can be a real treat to see how your money is able to help those that you love with your truly meaningful gift while you're still alive. You can do this in many ways, but some of the most common include transferring the money directly into their account or adding them to accounts that fall below the $17,000 limit, creating a living trust that would allow you to access the funds if it turns out that you need them. You could just add them to a real estate deed that you have for property less than $17,000. And another option is just to pay for things up to the limit, like their tuition, life insurance, or even vacations. 
Besides being able to see what your gifts that you've given have done for those you've gifted, you'll also be helping them by possibly starting a college fund, helping them buy a home, or setting them up for financial security. But with any of the examples that I've given, please contact an attorney to see which is best for you and your financial situation. With these gifts, you can share your knowledge by giving to others and encouraging gifting in your recipient by teaching them how to manage their money for their future generations. You'll also be slowly reducing the size of your estate, which will lead to lower costs in court fees and estate taxes, so that when you do pass, it will leave more money for you to assign to whomever you wish. Finally, you'll be able to take tax deductions now if your gifts are donated to tax-qualified charities. So, what could go wrong? Well, it is possible to overgift and put yourself at risk for surprises like healthcare costs or other emergencies. You also don't get to decide how that gift is used. If you can't give the money away and live with what they did with the money, it could put a strain on your relationship. And if you think that you'll be having to use Medicaid versus Medicare, they won't provide you Medicaid services if you've given away money within the last five years. I remember the difference between those two with the saying of Medicaid is for underpaid and Medicare is for gray hair or old age. Lastly, there are tax and legal implications, so be certain to consult with tax accountants and attorneys that specialize in these types of planning. Ask yourself, should you gift your inheritance before your death or wait until after? There are many benefits that bring you joy in doing this, but there are some downfalls, and you'll need to be keenly aware of them. This is Kathy Pfefferhahn. Thanks for listening to Finances and Gifting Away Inheritance. I know you chose to listen and am ever grateful. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow or subscribe for free in your podcast provider and also share your favorite episode with a friend. I'd love you to leave a review because it brings financial education to others and helps people find me more easily. Also, be sure and continue to let me know what questions you'd like answered or topics covered by going to the website at financesand.net and leaving a message. You can also contact Capital Coaching for your own personal financial needs at capitalcoaching.net. Remember, I went to school, so you don't have to. Finances and does not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing in this podcast is to be construed as such.